This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, hello and welcome to Celebration Church. Would you please stand with me? As we recite together the Apostles' Creed, this is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Excuse me, you may be seated. All right, well, uh, this morning, this is the time in our service where we pause to take our tithes and offerings. Um, So if you are giving cash or check today, you can fill it out. We have little envelopes in the seat backs, and you can put it in there. And then as you leave the service uh, today, uh, don't leave yet, Uh, but as you leave the service, you can put it in the offering baskets that the ushers will be having at the doors as you walk out. Um, Otherwise, you can go online and give, celebrationchurch.tv forward slash give, as you can see up on the screens there. Uh, So if you're watching online or it's just easier for you to give that way, uh, you can do that. Uh, We also have a a Celebration Church app that you can download and give through there as well. And so we do appreciate uh, all your faithfulness and supporting the ministry here. Uh, And then this morning, um, as you can see, so my my name is Phil Gunger. I'm never sure if I'm supposed to introduce who I am or not. I'm Phil Gunger. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Uh, My father, Mark Gunger, is a senior pastor. And uh, this morning, he was not able to make it. And it was funny, someone was asking me, oh, is he somewhere, did he get away, get somewhere warm? He's in Illinois, so no. No, 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 he's not somewhere glamorous at all. (laughs) But, gosh, it's, it's, but with the, I don't know if anyone travels a lot. Like, they've, they've messed with the flights. There's not as many flights. It's tough to get back, so... He would have preferred to be here, but uh, he, got, he, he knew he couldn't make it back, so I was. I was also uh, somewhere quite exotic this weekend, a little beautiful town of Sandusky, Ohio. It's gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous time of year to be there, too. Just lovely. Um, but I, I was there and had some uh, great events. It's cool. You know, I, I wish, you know, I'm thinking, I wish there was some way. You, I, I literally could suppose we could videotape it, but I sort of wish there was a way you could see uh, what's happening, and to hear the stories from people. I just ran into uh, a couple uh, this weekend who they were somewhere uh, some years ago, and they saw my dad doing a marriage seminar, and they had just gotten married, and their life was 
in this weird spot, didn't know what to do. And they thought, just from hearing him, and I've heard this before, that wait a sec, this guy's a pastor? <laughs> he, he's okay, I like him. You know what? We should go to church. And they started attending this church. And so the church I was at this weekend was the church that they decided to uh, connect with and they came. And it's just, oh my goodness, it changed, it changed a point in our life, which is so weird because that's not the reason that my dad and I go and do it is just, you know, to, we're not presenting the gospel so, so much for that. We're trying to help marriages, but it's amazing what God can do, you know? And so, and you all are a part of this. I know you don't see it. You're not always there, but it just, it's, it's just very cool. It's like, wow, we're making an impact all over the place. So cool. So thank you for the support and supporting us going out there and doing that. Um, now, uh, this morning, <coughs> it's the, goodness gracious, got that flu is still hanging with me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys were here a few weeks ago when I preached and I had the flu. Uh, I couldn't have told you what I said when I got done. <laughs> I had to ask my wife, did that make sense? Like, did I make points there? She's like, it was good. Okay. And again, like I said at the time, that message was brought to you by NyQuil or DayQuil. Pretty sure I took Dayquil. That could explain something else. I'm just be like, you know what, guys? I'm just going to lay down here once. Let's just pray for a second. Just, I'll just be knocked out. So today being the second uh, Sunday in Lent, as we're in our Lenten season, uh, we got a passage of scripture here. We're going to look where Jesus is headed uh, for t- Jerusalem to complete the work for which he had completed. Um, and I'm excited to give this message again. Had a great time in the first service, but I think we were all still half asleep. There's nothing quite like preaching the early service on Daylight Saving Sunday. <laughs> but we're here. We're awake. This is kind of like early service. And then I was in Eastern time zone, so it all seems extra early for me right now. But we're excited. You can keep all this in your head, Phil. Just go. Preach. Preach the word, son. Okay. So uh, the, the passage we're looking at is in uh, Luke chapter 13. And like I said, we know at this point, Jesus is headed towards Jerusalem. And we know this because earlier in Luke, in uh, chapter 9, it says this in verse 51. It says, at this, at the time, as the time, goodness gracious, simple words, Phil, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And some translations say that he set his face on Jerusalem. You get this sense that he is focused in. He's determined. He's resolute. He's unwavering, heading towards his mission. And when I said that, when I read that, um, I got this image, as I often do uh, when I'm reading through scriptures, of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. I don't know why this happens a lot, but clearly that was a, a, a very impressionable movie on me. Actually, a lot of the 80s uh, action flicks. I'm pretty sure I could preach I should do a sermon off of like 80s action flicks. That would be awesome. All the Arnold ones too are just so great. You got Terminators, multiple ones. You got Commando. Anyway, notes to leave for later. All right, but this idea, if you've never seen the Terminator, right? He's this robot guy, comes from the future, and he's on this mission. You know, if you're watching Terminator 1, he's there to kill Sarah Connor. If you're watching number two, he came to save John Connor. And he's, nothing can stop him. He goes through, people try and stop him. He's just this robot, unstoppable, moving. He doesn't waver from his mission. And this is the idea I get here when they said he turned his face towards Jerusalem. He is on a mission. And in uh, chapter 13 here, our our verse for today, we're gonna see that he has an opportunity to get thrown off of his mission and sidetracked. But he doesn't do that. 
So let's take a look at that. Let's read this uh, scripture for this uh, main text this morning, which is in Luke chapter 13, and uh, we'll start in verse 31. It says this. <coughs> you don't know this inside. You know how after you get the flu, it just, it'll hang in here? And it's like every, if you breathe too deeply, you know you're going to cough. It's been like me for like the last week. So as I'm talking in the back of my head, I'm thinking, take shallow breaths. It's okay. You know, not too shallow or you'll pass out. But I go to inhale to start reading the scripture. And I immediately just cough up a lung there. Okay. Take two. We can edit this in post, right? Okay, we're fine. Verse 31. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else because Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day, and I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about that is it starts off, it starts off with these Pharisees, seemingly good-natured, saying to leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. When I read that, I thought that was interesting because it sounds like they're, hey, Jesus, you know, we got some insider information. We're here to help you. And I was like, really? Because these are the same people that if you read earlier in the chapter, they just got very insulted by Jesus. Because see, earlier in the, this chapter, you read about how Jesus was uh, preaching. He was preaching about repentance. He gave uh, parables about the kingdom of God and what it means to accept the kingdom of God. And if you don't, and... Uh, and also, there's a story of him healing a woman on the Sabbath. And what's interesting, all these things he's doing, all the stuff that's going on, the thing that really irked the Pharisees was that he healed a woman on the Sabbath. And you can kind of see this interaction that he has with Jesus here. We'll, we'll take a look at this. So we're still in uh, chapter 13, but if you back up uh, to verse 10, we'll read this story about how he heals this woman. <clears throat> so in verse 10, it says, on a Sabbath... Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now indignant, because Jesus has healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, he calls everyone around and he's going to set the record straight here. He says, listen, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath for them, it was a holy day and they had rules that you're not supposed to do work on this day. And so he saw Jesus healing someone and the first thing he thought was, well, I'm going to show I know the rules. You're not following the rules. But it says the Lord answered him, which isn't going to go well for them. He says, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall 
and lead it out to give it water? So in other words, he's like, so you got these pets, and I know you can't do work, but you still go and give them water, right? Because you don't want them to die. He says, well, then how, then should not this woman, who is a daughter of Abraham, she is neither an ox or a donkey, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, should she not be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And then when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. After this exchange, the common people were delighted and the leaders of the synagogue were humiliated because their selfish motives had been revealed. So see, they have a bit of an interaction here. So it doesn't seem odd to me that they're telling him to go away. Go away, take a hike, get out of here. And so when we look at this verse here, they talk about verse 31, where they say, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. It makes me think, did they really care about the welfare of Jesus? I mean, they're indicating that they do, that they have some insider knowledge that Herod wishes to kill Jesus. But was it really true? Or are they just making something, they just want to get Jesus out of there? Because you know what's interesting is Jesus does meet Herod. If you move further on, you'll, you'll see it. And look at the interaction that happens when Jesus does meet Herod. So further on in Luke chapter 23, verse eight, it says, when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased <laughs> because for a long time, he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. In other words, he wanted to see a miracle. He'd been hearing about this Jesus guy. He was excited to see him. Like, dude, I want to see you heal someone. Holy cow. So it's a little odd when the synagogue leaders, when these Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, hey, listen, uh, Herod wants to kill you. Go away. I'm not sure if they really were concerned about Jesus or they were just using some excuse to tell Jesus, go away. Now, in all fairness, we don't know exactly what Herod was thinking at this exact moment because it doesn't say. And we do know that Herod did think uh, and, and hear that he, he may think that Jesus was, um, you know, John the Baptist resurrected from the dead, all right, which is a little creepy for Herod because he had John the Baptist beheaded. So if you chop off someone's head and then you hear they might be rolling around town, you know, you may think, well, you know, it's a zombie. What do we do with zombies? We kill zombies. There you go. You can write that in your notes. <laughs> So, he's, he's, so he's, he thought, so maybe he did. Maybe at this time he did think that. I don't know. But all, all that we do know is we do know how the Pharisees respond. We know how the Pharisees, uh, what they say to Jesus. And they don't give many great advice, you know, and hey, hey Herod's coming from the south to east. You know, don't go that, this way, don't go that way. They just said, get out. And so what I see is I see a reaction on the Pharisees' part. You know, sometimes we react as well. When God speaks to us, someone says something to us, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting us of something. And what is our reaction? The truth is a lot of times it's like the Pharisees of, get away, I don't want to hear it. Stay away from me. But when we're doing that, we're pushing God out of our lives, which isn't good. And we can find ourselves like the Pharisees getting humiliated. Now, as I was reading through this, I thought, man, you know what? Like, 
especially, I feel like in today, you know, there seems to be so much argument and debate and whatever you want to call it over who is right, right? And it doesn't matter what the subject. You could be, you know, uh, arguing over anything. You could argue over what color you think is better. You know, as talked about before, you know, there's the deep debate over pineapple on or off a pizza, right? And even though we know it shouldn't be on a pizza, there's some, there's, there's some who think that that's wrong and they'll argue. <laughs> so I need to not let my rightness going, even though I know pineapple should never go on a pizza. My wife's staring at me. She loves pineapple on a pizza. It's good in a drink, it just shouldn't be on a pizza. I'm having an argument with myself up here. Uh, but the, the, the truth is, is we have all these little pockets of people who think they're right. And what do we do? We surround ourselves with people who think like us, who people think all our rightness ways. And no matter what it is or where it goes, we kind of lobby in with those people, and then we lob these, you're wrong, you're wrong at people. Now, I'm not saying we can't have discourse or we can't get involved with things, or we can't say our opinions. Yes, yes, yes. But... What happens? Are we leaving ourselves? Are we checking ourselves in case what if God is trying to do something? What if God speaks to us in that? You know, because we look back at this story of Jesus healing this woman on the Sabbath. I mean, this is God doing a miracle, having mercy. You know, Jesus knew what the laws were. He knew he wasn't supposed to do work on the Sabbath. But he saw someone that was in need, and he responded first out of love and not out of his rightness. And I think for us, it's so much easier because it feels so good to be right, that we lead more with our rightness than we do with love. And the easy thing is if we do the right thing, and then somehow love intersects with that, and then we know, well, see, that's how I knew I was right. You know, we do this in relationships. You know, we see it all the time with, you know, in marriages. Most marriage arguments, you know, if you've heard my dad say it before, they boil down to one simple thing, and it's, how come you can't be more like me, right? That's what most of our arguments are. You need to think like me. You need to be more like me. I'm right. You're crazy. How can you not see how crazy you are? So think like me. And there's all this argument to get the other person to think like you because it's our rightness. And when you do that in that relationship... Are you leading first with love? Are you thinking first of the other person? Or do you just want to be right? Are you acting like Jesus in that scenario? Or are you being like the Pharisees? Of, ah, ha, 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 you're wrong. You know, when you're talking uh, to your kids or they do something, you know, is it just to show them that you're right? My kids say, yes, dad, you always like to tell us how you're right. <laughs> Which I probably sometimes do. And we need to check that because we're supposed to be leading first with love. Again, it doesn't mean that we can't have discourse with people and talk about things, but what is driving you in that? Is love driving you in that? Is it to help them or is it to just prove that you're right? And then you can feel better in your rightness. And I want to tell you, the, those who are not inside the church, they're outside the church, they take notice of how we react. They take notice of how we act. And I tell you what, if we're a Christians just out there trying to show how people are wrong, how you should think like me, you're wrong, think like me, they're not gonna listen to a thing you say. 
You're gonna say, well, I'm right. They're gonna go, good for you. Cool. Have your little rightness over there. And I'm gonna have my rightness here. Because they don't care. You're not, there, there's no win at the end of that argument. You know what I'm saying? Right? It's like on social media, we get into these arguments. Has anyone won an argument on social media? You know, like if there was a scoreboard, it'd still be zero to zero. Okay? I don't know of anyone whose opinions are majorly changed. Or think about when you've had, you know, half of the arguments you get to in your relationships, wherever it's at. There's not much of a win there. This is why a lot of people love to sue people. So that someone somewhere will tell me I'm right, even if they cost, it costs them tons of money. Just to prove the rightness. So in this, when, when you're moving through life and, and, and when you're out there in the world, be careful how you respond to people. And ask God, God, help me to react to people in my life, to people out there with love first. To act more like Jesus does with the woman there. Even though in the back of his head he knew, ooh, there's a law that goes against, wait, what's, what's, what's love? Okay, this, this is love. And to lead with that. Amen. All right, thank you. So let's get, you know, <laughs> I was, yeah, I felt like I was preaching to myself there. It's, it did, it really hit me. I was like, ooh, because it's, I, anyone else like me, isn't it great to be right? Are you like me when you get into arguments and like, you know how you have those arguments just with yourself in your head, right? Like you don't even have, need to have the argument with the other person. It's like you have an entire argument with them in your head. You're like preparing your debates, right? You're, cross-examining yourself and their argument, all this stuff. We just get it because we just want to be right. This is what's great about Lent, the season of Lent that we're in. If you choose to join in with us, you know, we take times to mess with ourselves, you know, making time for prayer, uh, coming out on another night on a Wednesday to join with us there. You know, maybe you're fasting something, giving up something that you really enjoy. And when that happens, it messes with us. And we get ornery and we get in there and we start to see how we react in those areas in our life that, ooh, maybe we're not so good there. Because we want to get those things in place so that we just stop reacting. Because I want people outside of this church to see more of God than they see of me. Amen? Because if they just see me in minus, it's not very attractive. So I want me to be quiet. I want God to shine through that. Amen? So let's continue in this, uh, our main passage here, in verse... uh, 32, chapter 13, verse 32. It says, he replied, and this is Jesus here talking. He says, go tell that fox, referring to Herod, that I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. And see, this is the exact result from someone who is determined in his mission. He is determined to go to Jerusalem. Jesus is willing to walk to Jerusalem. He's choosing that, even though he knows he's walking into the jaws of death. And so you think, so what was the driving force behind that? Why, why is he doing this? Well, we see Jesus talk about why he's here. You know, we see in John chapter four, verse 34, he says, my food, says Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So the whole thing that gives him strength, both spiritually and physically, is to do the will of him who gets sent him, which is God. He's here doing a mission for God. Much like the Terminator. See, it's just, it, it preaches so well. John 5.30, Jesus says, by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. 
and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See, Jesus here, he's saying, he's, I'm here to do the will of God. The reason he's going to Jerusalem he's doing is because, see, he's on mission with God. And what's so amazing is Jesus isn't just a guy. He's not just a human. He is human, but he's both fully human and he's fully God. And so he goes out there and you say, okay, so you say, well, then what's the, what's the mission of God? What's, what's his thing? What's, why is he here? Well, he, he hints at this and he points at this in the uh, uh, next verse here in verse 34. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who are the prophets, you who kill the prophets, you're not prophets or you'd have been dead. You, you kill the prophets and stone those who sent you. He says, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. See, in here, we're getting a glimpse of what it is, this image of this hen taking the chicks. Now, as we were um, chatting about this in our lectionary this week, one of the guys mentioned how, you know, they've, they've seen uh, times where like a fire will come through or something, and they've found these chicks dead, or not the chicks, but the hen, dead, burned. And whenever I say chicks, just in my head, I was like, I feel bad. I'm talking about chickens, okay? Just in case you're wondering. Not talking about ladies. But he takes the, the, this, this hen, and they, they said they find it in the fire that these hens, these birds, are burned up. And so I went in and I found some of those stories. They said, sure enough, they've gone through places where they know like a big forest fire, something came through, just burned everything up, and they find these birds there, just charred. And they thought, why did the bird not get out of here? Like, why is it just sitting there? They, they weren't sure. And all of a sudden they go up and they start moving it. And all of a sudden, you see the little chickens come out. And you realize this mother hen, who knew what was coming, she knew what was going to happen. She knew there was danger. And she didn't think about herself. She thought about her babies. She just covered them. And she died so that they could live. See, Jesus is very intentional about using this imagery. He's explaining and he's giving an idea of this is why I'm here. You see, God's plan, his mission here, the thing he has his son Jesus doing is that he had him come, head to Jerusalem, die on the cross for your sins and my sins. And that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but have eternal life. This is the mission that he's on. And so you look back and you think of the Pharisees, how they were not even getting that. I mean, Jesus was here to die on the cross for their sins. But they let their rightness and their thinking of, well, no, I think this way and I think I'm right and get in the way of that, that they couldn't hear it, they couldn't see it, they weren't a part of that. So I just encourage us, make sure you're not like that. Make sure as you're out there and you're in your jobs, you're in your families, you're in your relationships, doing those things, that you're not just throwing your rightness around. But find for those chances, of, I mean, am I connecting in with the will of God here? Is there something God can do here? Am I leading first with love or am I leading first just with me? And I encourage you to, during the season of Lent, you know, get some time, pray a little bit more, you know, take some time, just quiet yourself, just God, if there's something that's messed up with me, help me see it. 
If there's some blind spot, help me see it. Because I want people to see you. I don't want them to see me. So in closing here, as we get ready to move into our time of off, uh, offering, we did that. If we get time to move into our time of communion, maybe you're here or you're watching online and you think, you know what, I've, I've never even just made that first decision to follow Christ. I've never repented and asked him to be Lord of my life. I've never made that first step of faith. And I hear the story and I see what he did for me and there's something that just is stirring inside. You might think, so what do I do? Well, as we move through this time of, of getting ready for communion, the band's gonna come out and play again. Take, just take some time in your own words. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want you to be Lord of my life. Just simple in your own way. All right? If you would, whatever, please bow your heads as we head into the time of communion and we take heed of the words the Apostle Paul said when he said that we ought to examine ourselves before we eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, before we partake in this communion with the bread and the cup this morning, in view of your scriptures and in obedience to them, we pause now to examine ourselves. Lord, if we have sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us. Forgive us of all our sins, Lord. Strengthen us in all goodness. Help us not to lead out of our rightness, out of our desires, but to pause and to find out what it is that you desire. Help us to lead in your love, God. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.